Well, welcome to Grace Hills. Welcome online. Welcome into this space. It's good to be with you this morning. I am always thankful for the invitation to come spend time with you all. Um, I am have been around now here for a little over a year and was honored to be part of the leadership team over the last year and a half or so. Get to be part of uh, bringing Josh and Casey over from Western Oklahoma. Uh, I, but it's not lost on me that he's never here when I'm preaching. Have you guys noticed? <laughs> Um, I know he's listening, so that's why I'm saying that. Josh, you're never here when I'm preaching. Camera there, camera there. Um, but I'm thankful to be here, and uh, we have been in Advent for three weeks. There's one more week next week, but I am uh, just humbled to be invited. Um, you'll see behind me a slide of a birth announcement. Look at this. There are four announcements there. Now, you'll see that those are my four kids now, I had to find all four of these birth announcements because I don't know where they're at in our house, but I know my wife is very diligent, and every time one of our children were born, one of these announcements would go out. I also noticed, and you can see uh, the first one, my daughter Lauren, 1998. So what's funny is these things still exist. You know where I found these? In my mom's china cabinet. All four of these are still posted, like literally she just got them a week ago, and they're still on display. And so I went and scavenged them out of there because I'm like, I need pictures of these. I also noticed that as our children, as we got older, my wife got better at, at doing these. Like my daughter Megan's is really cool compared to Lauren's. Lauren's is pretty simple, pretty basic. I do remember, though, and let's see if you guys can resonate with this. Finding the, the tiny babies to do the footprints on Lawrence was really hard. To get them to hold still, it was like, a, a, and the parents didn't appreciate it either. Did you guys get that joke? Yeah. Five of you. Appreciate it. Those are my kids. These are our birth announcements. Birth announcements come out when? After the birth of your child. They do that because we are proud as parents. You know, one weighs nine pounds, two. One weighs eight, 11. I think Megan is... Nine, four. She saw that, by the way, and she's like, I was huge. I was a chungus when I was born. That's what she said. And these come out after our kids are born because we're proud, and we want you to send us stuff, you know. But there's this birth announcement that we're going to read this morning that was literally written 700 years before the child was born. Mine came out after. These came, this one we're going to read today was 700 years Prior, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. That's what we're going to read. This is the birth announcement of a coming king. Let me read it. For us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time and forevermore, the end of the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. That's the birth announcement of our coming king, King Jesus. And so for the last three weeks, we've walked through this this conversation around Advent. And we got reminded, week one, that God was with us. Last week, we got reminded that God works through us. Next week, we're going to see that God is for us. And today, we're reminded that God is above us. And you saw that right in that birth announcement in verse 6, that he is above us. 
that he is above us. And when I was working through this passage this week, I mean, it's not a complicated passage, right? It's just two verses. But I was reminded over and over, because I read it in a lot of, this is the ESV, but I read it in a lot of different versions because I like to hear the language. And I was reminded when I read this is that I'm really not that big of a deal. Sometimes I think I'm a big deal. Just to be honest, you're not that big of a deal. None of us are that big of a deal as it relates to what we just read. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Now, here's why I am a big deal, and here's why you're a big deal, because of this. Because I was created, and you were created in his image and in his likeness. Genesis 1.26 tells us that. So, therefore, we are a big deal because we were created in his image. We're a big deal because Ephesians 1 tells us that I cost something. You cost something. What did we cost? We cost him his life, didn't we? That's Ephesians 1. He shed his blood for you and I. I am a big deal also, as it relates to that, also in Ephesians 1 later on, because he created me with a purpose. He's going to give me and you an inheritance. So that makes us a big deal. But we're not a big deal as it relates to creation and our power and our authority. We're a big deal because we're made in his image. I want you to hear this statement. It's not on the slide. He, Jesus, from the 700 years before, through the prophet Isaiah, he was anointed and appointed. He was anointed and appointed, and he was given that authority. His assignment is bigger than your alignment. His assignment is bigger than our position in my alignment, because he was anointed and appointed, and that is what Isaiah 9 tells us. That there is authority, that there, and we're going to unpack the gifts, the Christmas gifts that are found in those two verses this morning. He rules, not me, not you, and not us. He is God above us. And I forget that sometimes. I forget that sometimes. Why do we forget it? Why do you forget it? Because culturally, I hear everything counter to that every day. Every day, I hear how my opinion is the most valuable and, and your opinion is the most valuable and what you desire is most important and what I desire is most important. The reality is, I don't think any of us in this room created the heavens and the earth with four words, did we? We didn't. And so this is a morning, I feel like, as we read this birth announcement, we'll just be reminded of who God is. There's six amazing gifts that we get to unwrap in verse 6. They're tucked in these two verses, and it's this, and I want you to hear these six gifts with these three thoughts in mind. This amazing God is above us, and he loves us, and he's given us everything. And the first gift that we find in verse 6 of chapter 9 is this, and it's this gift of empathy. He's given us this gift of empathy. Let me read it. For to us a child is born and a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. There is not a coincidence that Isaiah chose this language in those first few words. Son of God. Son of God, a child is born, a son is given. Why? That's personal language, isn't it? 
The word child and the word son have personal connotation. Why is that important? It's important for us to realize that in this moment, Jesus was just like you and I. He was fully human, and he had the titles assigned to him, son, brother. He had personal titles. And so not only, and this is hard for us to understand, but not only was he fully God, right? But he was also fully human. And these titles that are given to him in the very beginning help him to empathize and sympathize with each of us. I like what's in Hebrews 2. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every aspect. Every aspect. So that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Propitiation is a replacement of taking on the weight of my sin, replacing my sin with himself. He paid the price. He's a propitiation for the sins of the people, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. He understands. Two more verses down, or two chapters down in Hebrews also. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, I love verse 16 of Ephesians 4, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and find help. There is no temptation or trial that he cannot understand. There is no problem that he did not encounter. He was fully man. He was a son. He was a child, just like you and I. So there's this empathy, this gift that we get to unwrap today, that he understands how you feel and how you think. The second one is this. There's this gift of authority. Let's look at it in the verse. Advance it for me one, Lord. There we go. For us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called, I'm going to read it every time, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. The government shall rest on his shoulder. The government, declares the prophet, shall be on his shoulder. And I love the visual, right? And here's what we need. Here's the principle in there for us today. If Jesus can handle the entire government of the world on his shoulder, do you think he might be able to handle what you're facing in this moment? I can look across the room and I see all ages. I see some of you that are winding down your semester at school. I see some of you that have finals. I see some of you that I know that are wrestling with job issues. I know some of us don't have the family that we wish that we had. Some of us don't have the job or the finances in the bank that we wish that we had. But we are reminded right here that this empathizing, sympathizing child that was born, this Jesus, has the authority of all of the world and weight on his shoulders. He can handle your test that you have this week. He can handle the fact that you may not have enough finances in the bank to cover what you think you need to cover. He has the weight and the authority of all of the governments on earth on his shoulders. Now, if you contrast that with the structure, and I don't want to get into a history lesson here, but if I asked you to raise your hand and tell me the three uh, uh, branches of government in the United States, could you answer that? Some of you could. Legislative, executive, and judicial. 
And what do they all have in common? They all have in common a balance of power. That not one person is in control over all those. And it's contrasting to what we're talking about here. In this case, Jesus is known as the what? The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. It is all on his shoulders. Think about that. Think about the weight that he carries. And think about that in, con in the context of a birth announcement that was written 700 years before he was born. That at some point in this manger, this little tiny infant, and we don't know his weight because that wasn't in his birth announcement, that the moment that he is born, he is destined, anointed, and appointed to carry the weight of the world on his shoulders. Can he handle your stuff? Yeah, he can. I love that. Number three, not only do we have the gift of an empathizing, empathy God, a God with gift number two of lots of authority and control and power, but we have this gift of counsel, of wise counsel. Let's read it. For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. He is the Wonderful Counselor. Now, I have an assignment for you. You can test me the next time I come back. If you can find anywhere in Scripture where Jesus, the wonderful counselor, counseled wrong, was he ever accused of saying the wrong words? Did he ever say the wrong words or do the wrong things in certain situations? Or did he always have the perfect thing to say, the perfect response? Absolutely. As I was thinking about this, I was reflecting back on 20 years. This is the 20th year that I have been in ministry, and I've, I've kind of always been known as like a coffee shop guy or a breakfast guy, and I've averaged five one-on-one -on -one kind of coffees or breakfast or whatever with, with people every week. And so I did the math on that, and I'm somewhere around 5,000 one-on-one sit-downs with people in the last 20 years of just hanging out at a Starbucks or Heroes or Airship or wherever the coffee shop might be. And I was thinking, gosh, in 5,000 of those, how many of those did I get wrong? How many of those did I have to say, I don't know the answer to that? How many of those did I have to say, I wish I could give you wisdom, but I don't have any wisdom for you? A lot. How many of those would Jesus have had to say that? Zero. He was the wonderful counselor, not the good counselor. He was wonderful. He did it right. His counsel was always unfailing and flawless. He never had to go and say, hey, I need to study up and prep before I have this appointment. I, don't, I need to prep before I get up and talk to these folks. He just went in and he just dropped it. And he let them know what he needed to let them know. And he was the wonderful counselor. So not only did he have empathy and understand as a son or as a child with human interaction, not only did he have authority of all the government resting on his shoulder, but when he came into this place, he was the wise and wonderful counselor. He provided good counsel. Number four, the fourth gift. Let's read it. For us, to us, a child is born and a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. What does it mean to be mighty? It meant that not only could he give the perfect advice, and let's counter that to you and I. 
Let's say you meet with somebody in a coffee shop this week, and they ask you a question about parenting or about life or about your career. You can give them wisdom, right? But you have no ability afterwards to make sure that they pull it off, do you? That's on them. But if you leave that appointment with them and they seek the Lord, Lord, give me the strength to be able to withstand what I've got to face. Who provides that strength? A mighty God. An all-knowing, all-powerful God. See, we don't have the ability to make people do things, but God does. He has the ability to speak into lives. And what I love about this, too, of all the things we're going to look at today, it is real easy to accept culturally this cute little baby in a manger. We've all seen nativities, and it doesn't matter if you're a follower of Christ or you don't follow Christ and you don't, have, and you don't like anything that I'm saying this morning. Most of us can appreciate the beauty of a little baby, right? But once that baby grows up and he's on a throne and he has some authority, then we struggle. And that's where culturally people struggle. Because we love the imagery of baby Jesus, even believers. We love that imagery, but we struggle when, we, when Jesus grows up and he's eventually Lord of our lives. Because he calls us to something. So we have this empathizing Savior who has all authority. Who's an amazing uh, wisdom giver and provides great counsel. But he is sovereign. And he is all-knowing, and he is all-powerful, and he is omnipresent, and he is omnipotent. He is over all things. Number five. The fifth gift this morning is this gift of being an everlasting father. Let's read it. For to us a child is born, and a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What's interesting is we don't need to get into a study of the Trinity, but everybody, I think, would understand the nature of the triune Godhead, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. We just sang that. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that all three... While different in their own purposes are unique under, under one. And when we hear the word father, that's what we think of. But in the context, the meaning of the word as Isaiah writes it in this prophecy is what you and I think about when we think about father. The things that are attached to our own earthly fathers. And that can be a really good thing if you grew up in a healthy relationship with your dad. And that can be a really painful thing if you did not grow up in a healthy relationship with your dad. But what was the Isaiah is talking about is the characteristics of a dad. That is what our everlasting father is. And those characteristics would look like what? Tenderness, some sensitivity, some affection, some appreciation, some provision, some protection. Those are the things that in a healthy relationship with an everlasting father we get from our dad. I think a lot of you know my story in this room, and I didn't grow up like that. And so I really wrestled with this whole idea of God as my father because I wasn't too keen on my earthly father. Because he left when I was little, when I was two. And he was nowhere to be found and he wasn't in the picture. And so I didn't get a lot of these things that, that, that scripture talked about this everlasting father should, should bring. 
And then thankfully, a, a man came into my mom's life, and he became my father. And, and I began to get those, even though they looked a little bit different. Uh, he wasn't as sensitive as some, but I've reflected on that a lot this week because my dad died just a few months ago, my, my stepdad who came into my life. And so this is our first Christmas without my dad, and we just went through Thanksgiving without him. And so for those of you who have lost a parent, you, you, you can resonate with what I'm talking about right here because it's just different. I miss those things, and I miss them as I reflected on this, but I was so thankful that I got them later in life, even though I didn't get them when I was young, but we're going to do some business in a little bit that I think is going to make this really practical, but we have this Father who brings security to us. I want you to see the verse in Psalm 103 that the psalmist wrote. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. That's the role of the father. So, we have empathy. That's one of the gifts that we just unwrapped. A God who understands and thinks like us can experience and relate to the things that I have wrestled with and struggled with and been tempted with. We have a, a Jesus, a king who has great power and great authority, ultimate power and ultimate authority. And that third gift is the fact that he is a wonderfully wise counselor with all the right things to say. Like if you went to airship this afternoon and you sat down with the king of kings and you asked a question, you wouldn't have to doubt that it was the right answer. And he wouldn't have to say, let me get back to you. We also know uh, that he brings to us this, this mightiness, that he's all-knowing and all-powerful, and that he works together for all things for his good. And in that, he, he comes alongside us, and he is this safe, protective dad, this father that affirms and encourages and challenges and disciplines. And the sixth gift this morning is this gift of calm. He brings a gift of calm. For to us a child is born, and a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and he is the Prince of Peace. He brings calm. Ephesians 2.14, I don't have it on a slide. For he himself is our peace. He has made us both one. He has broken down the flesh. The dividing wall of hostility, he's broken down the barriers that divide us from one another. There's this day coming, and this is so hard for us to imagine today in December of 2022. There is a day coming when this world will be covered in peace. Isn't that hard to fathom? It's hard for us to wrap our minds around. I, I was really wrestling with this because I know what Scripture says. I know the promise, but I'm like, how in the world, in this culture today, let's just be real, how is it that we're going to have peace that covers the earth? And then I thought about, over the last several years, of everything that we've walked through as a church and as a community and as a country and as a world, there are things that we have encountered and dealt with over the last two or three years that none of us in our lifetime ever thought possible. Am I right? We could not have fathomed the things that we have walked through over the last several years. But somehow we walked through them and we're on the other side. Just like I don't think we can fathom 
in our little minds how peace could cover the entire earth. But I couldn't have told you two years ago that masks would have covered the entire earth. And yet it happened. And so I believe, and it's funny because I, I was thinking through this and the way my brain works, I'm like, that what we just experienced as a country is a little bit of a teaching point and a learning point for me to understand that what I didn't think possible two years ago, what I don't necessarily think possible now when I read scripture, is actually going to happen someday. He is the prince of peace. He brings calm. Let me read this. This is from John 16. I've said these things to you, says Jesus, that, you, that in me you will have peace. That in the world you'll have tribulation, but take art because I have overcome the world. Amen? I'm going to read it again. Man, it's so good. I have said these things to you that in me you will find peace because in the world you're going to have some pain. I was listening to a podcast this week. I'm not going to tell you which one because you might judge me. But I was listening to a podcast this week, and they were not believers, and they were talking about that this, and, uh, from their perspective, and again, probably borderline atheists, definitely not believers, that the, so the sooner that they could realize that they're the guarantee that there's going to be some pain, tribulation, anxiety, fear, and struggle in their life, the healthier they become. And I thought, amen. You don't know how, how true that really is. That we can't get away from that stuff. But we also can't get away from the words of Jesus. I have said these things to you. That in me you will have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Look at Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. My faith, the justification of my faith, gives me peace. So... Let's revisit the six gifts that we just unwrapped. Empathy, right? Authority. He's powerful. He understands. He's a wise counselor. You can lean into him when you need to make a decision. He will provide wisdom. He's our father. He brings peace. And then I'm going to close with this one. He is everything. Everything. But just like a good dad, dads, hear me on this, just like a good dad, Christmas morning, like and this didn't always happen in my house, but there was always, sometimes my kids would beg me, can we just open like one tiny present on Christmas Eve? Does anybody else do that? A few of you? And it would usually in my house, it would be really tiny, like a Hot Wheel or like a Transformer or something cool like that that I wanted. And then we would have our Christmas presents, like the, the, the main ones on Sunday morning. And in, 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 in our family, we didn't always hold to this, but our kids would get three gifts, something they want, something they need, and it's just a surprise. And so we did that because we had four kids, so it was getting pricey. You all know what I'm saying. And then, and then after everything was done and the papers everywhere and stockings had been torn open and, we, and, and Santa did his thing, then the dad would walk out and I'd walk out and say, oh, shoot, you all forgot one. I found this one back in the back. And then dad would bring out a gift. And I'd sit this one down, and everybody like, oh, shoot, what, what is this? And I remember one, we have it on, uh, on video, um, and I'm going to play it. No, I'm just kidding, Jill. I'm not going to play it. Um, we open it up, and this balloon pops out, and it's a trip to Disney World. 
that I had surprised my family with. And we've done these, not every year, but most years, and we have this extra gift, and there's this extra gift that our Father has for us. There's a seventh gift waiting, and it's verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. To establish it, to uphold it with justice, with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So there is a gift that's in there. So what's the gift that's there? What is tucked into that verse, which I believe, and I think uh, commentators would agree, it's the greatest gift that we could ever receive. And it's right there in the very beginning. Of the increase of his government the, and the end of, and of peace, there will be no end. King Jesus, always increasing in peace forever. Do you feel that? King Jesus, always increasing in peace forever. Hard for us to wrap our minds around. But such a cool thing to embrace. That's this little bonus gift. And it's not just little. It's significant. That whatever we're wrestling through, whatever health crisis that you just became aware of, whatever marital issue that you're wrestling, you're thinking, I'm not sure that my marriage can be saved. I'm not sure about the salvation of my kids. I'm not sure this is the job that I want to take into 2023 with me. I am not sure that I'm going to be able to retire in five years. I'm not sure this is where I should go to college. I'm not sure this is the person that I should date. I don't know what I'd, God, help me. King Jesus, increasing in peace, in your life, in my life, forever and ever, with great empathy and with great authority and great counsel, knowing everything, being an everlasting father and bringing a sense of calm over you, pouring out abundant gifts on us as his children. Amen? I want to make this practical, and we're going we're gonna to get real as a family this morning. I want you to see this last slide and you'll see all those words that I just rattled off up there and what I want to do this morning is I am not naive enough to believe that just because we open a Christmas gift means we know how to use it you ever opened up a Christmas gift and looked at it and thought to yourself what is this and before you use it or know what it is you have to put some batteries in it or you have to pull out the instructions and read the instructions. Some of these are easy for you to embrace. Some of these you can do. And then others you read up here on this and you're thinking, I just don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I believe that. It's true. If we're being honest, it's true. Yeah, I'm like, I hear what Scripture says. I, I see that Isaiah 9, 6 says that he's an everlasting father, but that just does not align with what I experience coming up. I see what you tell me, that yes, he came as a son and as a child, and those are human terms. I get it, but gosh, I don't think God knows what I'm going through. I don't think he can empathize with me in this moment. So therefore, I just don't believe you. I don't know how to use that gift, and that's what I want to do. Uh, the worship team is going to come and we're going to pray. And we're going to spend a few minutes as a family praying. I've invited uh, uh, the staff and several of the elders that are here just to scatter out around the room. I think Jared, I see Jared, Leslie, uh, I see Zach, Casey, uh, Nina. Anybody that's here that's a staff, if I missed you, just scatter and pray. And what we want to do is I'm just going to lead some guided prayer. 
And I, I want you, as much as you can, to pretend like you're the only person in the room. I'll guide us and do your best to even try to ignore my voice a little bit. Listen to the voice of the Spirit this morning. Kneel where you're at. Stand up. Find one of these uh, staff members, one of these elders. Have them pray over you. Get with the Lord and let's just pray. And we can carry that into the, the song as Blaine and the team lead us. But I just want to spend some time praying. I want us to be able to unpack and wrestle with those seven things that were on that slide. Empathy, authority, counsel, everything, father, calm, and an increasing peace forever. Jesus, I just pray in this moment that we would just settle, that we would just settle our heart, that we would breathe. You're in this place but we would invite you right next to us in this moment, right in the seat next to us. We're a family, and family gets real, and family at times is a bit awkward, and the family ultimately love one another, and we're part of your family. God, if there is a person in this room who is struggling in this moment with this idea, this gift that this coming Savior, this Jesus that was written about doesn't understand, doesn't have empathy, doesn't have sympathy towards them. I pray in this moment that that feeling would be rejected and rebuked and Jesus, you would fill it and that they would pray that in your name right now. I think all of us need a reminder of who has authority. That God is truly above us, above my desires, above my dreams, above my wishes, above my talents and my gifts and my skills and my bank account. That God is above us. You have that authority. And so I pray that one for me this morning and for all of us that wrestle with that, that push back against that, strip us of that this morning. Lord, we praise you for your wisdom and your counsel that you are the wonderful, wise counselor. That when we seek your voice, that we listen for it, that what we hear can be true and right. Maybe the prayer for our community is that we would slow down to listen. Lord, you are everything. You are all of it. You're all-powerful. You're all-knowing. You're all-present. And you are with us. So we ask for your strength and your power to fill us, to push us through, to guide us. If there's anybody in this room that doesn't know that or believe that, this is your invitation. This is the invitational part of this 
this conversation this morning. Lord, there may be somebody in here right now that's like, yeah, I've heard the Christmas story. Um, I get it. I'm just not sure I'm all in. Lord, would you strip away the I'm not sure. Lord, would you call us to being all in? I pray, Lord, that we would have the humility to respond to that call. Lord, I thank you that you are a father to the fatherless, that you are everlasting father according to scripture. Thank you for all that that means. Thank you that you bring that to those of us who didn't necessarily have that growing up. And it doesn't matter how old we are. When we come to you and we say, Lord, would you be my dad? Would you be my father? Would you step in? Would you provide and protect and guide and give wisdom and affirm and be affectionate and give me love and give me tenderness and put your arms around me? Tell me that you're proud of me, Lord, that you will do that. All Just waiting to ask, would you do that this morning for somebody in this room? Thank you that you are the Prince of Peace, that you bring calm in a culture that is restless and anxious and fearful, that you bring calm, and that calm someday will overtake this entire planet. We look forward to that day. But until that day, some of us need it today. I know some people need it today in this room. They need it right now. I thank you that your peace is moving forward forever. That we can look forward to it and that we know that we're headed in the right direction. Thank you for that birth announcement, your birth announcement from the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before you showed up on the scene. Thank you that that prophecy came true and that we could celebrate that. I thank you that you're in us and working through us and you are for us. And today we're reminded that you are above us. Amen. I know some of the team is still scattered around the room. You want somebody to just put their arm on your shoulder and pray over you? Get up and do that during this response time, okay?